This is Jeremy Beasley. You're listening to H10, Hanshin Tigers, English News. We are back after a three-week break with a fresh episode just for you, fellow Hanshin Tigers fan. Welcome to episode 185 on this sunny Tuesday morning here in Nishinomiya, Japan. This is October the 17th. We are one day and a half away from the Climax Series final stage. I'm the founder of H10, T-Ray, and joining me from Hawaii is Sanjay. Aloha, brother. Aloha, brother, T-Ray. It's almost here. CS final stage. Man, this is the first time that we've gotten into the CS final stage without having to battle it out in the first stage. That's right. Yes. So uh, we've had a long time off of Hanshin Tigers baseball. We've had a long time off from H10, uh, but we are back and we are back in the saddle. We are going to do as much as we can to cover this playoff series for you, the Hanshin Tigers fans out there all over the world. So on today's show, of course, what we're going to do for you is we are going to preview the playoff series that we have coming up against the Hiroshima Carp. Sanjay, are you ready to give the fans their required dosage of HT dopamine? You better believe it, but I T-Ray. All right, good. So am I. It is time for the rumors and news. Rumors and news. Rumors and news. So we'll start with some great news, Sanjay. Uh, they have announced the dates for the victory parades. Victory parades, plural, for the Hanshin Tigers and actually for the Oryx Buffaloes. Same day for both of them. They're going to be alternating between Kobe and Osaka. And I don't know which one's morning, which one's afternoon, whatever. But um, the Buffaloes and the Tigers are going to flip-flop, right? Like one will be morning Kobe, afternoon Osaka and vice versa. Yeah, that's the story I hear. But uh, like, what if you want to go to both of them? Then what do you do? You mean both Tigers ones or what? No, if you were a Kansai fan and you're rooting for both Hanshin and Oryx, then you can only go to one of each. Or <laughs> That's know, not too bad, though, going can. to one of each, right? Yeah, yeah. I suppose so, but, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's a big question, too. Like, do you go to Osaka where there's going to be more people, which means it's going to be, like, a much more festive, I I'm assuming, anyways, just population-wise, you know? Or do you yeah. go to Kobe where it might be a little bit more laid back, a little bit more Johing, if you will, elegant, if you will, I don't know. Um, but, oh, by the way, we haven't said the date, have we? November the 23rd, which in Japan is Labor Thanksgiving Day. It's a national holiday, and it's a Thursday. That's the date they're going to be doing them on. Yeah, that's awesome. Looking forward to it. And I'm not so even going to be there. Yeah, I mean, well, there's going to be, I'm sure, like, if you're a Toratere uh, subscriber, they got to give you your money's worth in November. So surely they're going to do that on the Toratere, um, I would guess. Never had one, right? <laughs> I don't think Toratere yeah, exactly. ever has either. So it's been that long. Um, but I think I'm going to be heading to what, probably just the morning, whatever, whichever one uh, the Tigers are at in the morning is the one I'll be at because I do have afternoon plans. Uh, but yeah, I will report in some way or form from there so look forward to that everybody hey you should put together a youtube video and it'll go viral like our last one Close yeah well i mean that that could be definitely be part of the plan so we'll uh we'll put all of our eggs into that basket and see where it goes but speaking of eggs and baskets there is one more date that we need to put on our calendars which is two days after that on the 25th 
of November, the Saturday, uh, they will have their annual fan appreciation day at Kosian. And I think this is the second one post pandemic that they're opening up. I think this one is going to be fully open though, because probably last year they'd said like, Hey, no cheering, or you all have to wear masks or we're limiting the number of people, but this year it should be full fledged. So it should be a good time. Fantastic. That was on purpose, wasn't it? <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Okay. Well, let's talk about some of our boys that were uh, on the shelf and maybe coming back for the playoffs. We have got, of course, um, opening day closer, Yuasa, uh, who had a form injury and just uh, altogether, you know, slumping. He actually has thrown some live BP. He's thrown in some farm games. He threw in the Phoenix League, and it looks like he is feeling good. Now, it's going to be tricky as to how they fit him into the game plan because he hasn't played in meaningful games. And so to throw him in to a high leverage situation in the playoffs, I don't know if it's the best decision, but, you know, we'll leave that to people that are smarter than you and I. You know, I can definitely see where it's not a high leverage situation where there's like a comfy lead or whatever to um, give him, you know, get his feet wet again. Yeah, sure. And I mean, think I think that would be the way to go. And even if they do that the rest of this playoffs, like just having him there, his presence is enough. Yep. So we're hoping that he'll be back and that he will uh, be dominant. So a couple of guys uh, that play field positions. Uh, we got Umeno who hurt his wrist or broke his wrist, I should say, on Octo- uh, August the 13th. Um, he's been playing catch. He's been doing some long toss. And I think he had even said he was going to do some BP real soon if he could but it seems to me that he probably won't be in game shape um for sure not for this series maybe for the japan series but even then that's that question mark of like can't is he good enough to face you know that good of pitching after a two and a half month layoff yeah that's gonna be a tall order so yeah we're i i would bet on him not playing the rest of the way but one guy that will be playing hopefully um real soon and maybe in high leverage situations but not at the dish but on the base paths. And that would be Ueda, one of our speedsters. Um, he's back from his right leg injury. He did some live BP for some reason. He DH'd for some reason on the farm as well. Trust me, we want to use this guy's legs, not his bat. <laughs> so we'll see. Hopefully he's back and he's another pinch running weapon that we will have uh, come playoff time when we need those extra bases. You know, I did a little uh, research on Ueda just to sidetrack a bit here. Um, and this past season, um, he reached base. No, his, for his career, pardon me. He has reached base 117 times. Uh-huh. He got caught stealing 13 times. So he reached base and stayed on base. Well, you know, assuming that all those caught stealings were from his own, you know, making his own way to the base pass, paths, which isn't true. But let's say, you know, you, you whittle it down now to 104, right? Uh-huh. He scored 106 runs in his career. Wow. Nice. Which just goes to show you, he is a pinch runner and nothing but, right? Because, I mean, you can't score more runs than number of times that you yourself reach base. So. Well, technically, he could be subbed in as a pinch runner and then, you know, go for That's there. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, he did he did that. And that's why he, like, he is the pinch runner extraordinaire that right. probably at least half of those runs were from him subbing for somebody else. Yeah. But if you just look at the final line, you're like, okay, he reached base 100 and four times and he scored 106 times <laughs> something's wrong with yeah. his math but that's what it is okay yeah. let's talk uh about uh some of our guys that unfortunately will not be wearing the tigers pinstripes anymore uh come 2024 and i would assume they're not going to be at the parade and they probably won't be at the fan appreciation day either so eight guys 
uh, four draftees and four that we had picked up from other teams. We'll go through them from position players to uh, pitchers, but we got Shun Takayama, Fumiya Hojo, Yutaro Itayama, Yasuhiro Yamamoto. Those are our, our position players that are gone. And then um, development player, but former fourth round draft pick, I believe, uh, Atsushi Mochizuki. Uh, we picked him. And then the other three we got from actually SoftBank, Forex and SoftBank, respectively. Akira Niho, Keisuke Kobayashi, and Yuta Watanabe are all uh, going to be searching for employment elsewhere. Any right, thoughts right. on this or any memories of any of these guys? Yeah, well, I mean, Takayama, right? Rookie of the year. He he could do no wrong when he started. And yet, you know, we're at this unfortunate spot. Uh, I've seen a lot of commentary saying that um, he was not, he didn't get to meet the right coach who would, like, let him reach his potential is, is one of the frequent things I've seen repeated. Uh, I will miss him. I think with all these guys, they said they want to keep playing, right? So they're going to yep. be at the tryouts or whatever else they can do. Right. Because, I mean, the oldest of them is Niho, who's 33, I think. And then after that, it's Kobayashi and Watanabe, I think, are 30. So pretty young still. I mean, they still probably have a lot of gas left in the tank. So for Takayama, yeah, I remember him as the one who hit the walk-off pinch hit grand slam uh, in extra innings against the Giants at Koshien in 2019. And that was his last big moment on the big stage. But just like you said, you know, all that potential, you know, this is a guy that if you go back to when he was drafted and some of you may not have been fans this long, but uh, Sanjay, you probably remember this moment. Kanemoto is the new manager for the Tigers and Manaka is the manager of the Swallows. Both teams choose Takayama with the first round pick. They reach in for the ballot because it's now a lotto to see who gets him. And Manaka opens his ballot first and fist pumps and Kanemoto didn't even open his, right? Yeah, but Manaka, right. the Swallows manager, made the mistake of thinking that the NPB stamp was the indicator that he had won, but it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. So they went to commercial, right? And they're like, "Oh, you know, we'll we'll come back with the rest of the draft after this." And we we get back and and they show you know they show Kanemoto on the screen flashing a big smile, and we were like, "What's going on?" So it turns <laughs> out he had the winning ballot, and we ended up with Takayama. But all that to say. You know, Takayama played college ball in Tokyo at Jingu Stadium. And if the Swallows had picked him, you know, not that I want to wish this upon the Tigers, but if he had been a Yakult Swallow, maybe he would have had a much uh, more productive career. He might still be there starring in left field or right field or something like that. Could have been. Yeah, totally. So wishing him all the best. Hey, if he ends up with the Swallows and he does end up uh, racking up some hits, like I'll still cheer for him. Except when he's facing us, but you know, five out of six games or four out of five, I guess, of their opponents. I'm rooting for Takaim all the way. Agreed. Wishing all these guys all the best. So yeah. Uh Otsukara Samadesta to all of you. And uh yeah, Gambate Gudasai. Gambate Gudasai. All right. The last bit of good news is that uh you mentioned this one that Samurai Japan has a new manager, and that would be uh, Ibata, who was part of the famous middle infield of the Dragons uh, about a decade and a half ago. He's the new manager, and he's been kind of scouting out all the teams, and he's found three guys on the Tigers that he's very interested in having on the squad uh, moving forward. You can name That's them. right. They would be two pitchers and a position player, and not really surprising when you think about it. Um, the two of our three 10-1 pitchers, Murakami and Ito, and our red hot, uh, no, no longer rookie, uh, Teru Sato, on the short list for Ibata, who was part of the Araiba combination as a player back in the Junichi Dragon days. 
Right. So what I've also heard, though, is that he may not even be manager come the next WBC. So I know there's like a Premier 12. I think it's next offseason, like 2024 offseason. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think I mean, that's no, nothing's guaranteed. Already. Nothing's guaranteed, right? If, if it nope. really sucks, then they're yeah. going to replace him. But it's just great, you know. It would be great to have some tigers representing the nation of Japan in, you know, on the big stage like that. So, you know, love to see those guys in the Samurai Japan uh, unis for sure. Yep. Okay, let's move on now and talk a little bit about the farm. So it's kind of some minor news here, Sanjay, but we got to just wrap things up for everybody. Um, The farm schedule ended, I think it was like October the 1st, and the Tigers ended up in fourth place, eight and a half games out of first place with a 56, 55, and eight record. Um, Whatever. Above 500. Yeah, above 500. 500. And considering how they started, it's not bad. I just want to list off a few guys that, um, you know, just keep these names in the back of your head because next year they they may be guys that have their big breakout season on the top squad. So for hitters, we got Noguchi, who is a triple-digit development player, but man, he packs punch. Love him. Um, Joe Endo, who is one of the five high schoolers that we drafted back in 2019, and I think, well, he and Fujita are the only two that haven't made it to the top squad at all, but he batted 274, which was second best in the Western League. And then, of course, when's he coming? When's he coming? Kota Inoue. Man, he's been called up several times, not not been able to hit that first career home run, but he had 11 on the farm, 48 RBIs. Those are both second in the Western League. You also have to keep in mind, he didn't play a full season down there because he was on the top squad for a good 20 games at the start of the season. Not too shabby. Yeah. So, and also the Western League is known as a kind of a pitcher's league. So when you look at those two guys, like the, you're like 274 is second best, but it is, it's, it's a pitcher's league. And same thing with the 11 home runs being second best. You're like, well, whatever. I mean, the, you know, the parks are actually built to the same dimensions as the top squad parks. So it is what it is. Um, as for pitchers, we got Tomida, who threw 71 innings in his rookie season with a 177 ERA. And Mombetsu, another rookie, uh, fresh out of high school. So he's 19 years old, 55 innings pitched in a 278 ERA. He actually made his second or his first career start. Um, yep. Yeah, actually, during this recap that we'll talk about in a bit um, on the top squad. So I'm looking forward to him uh, making some noise on the top team, uh, maybe next year, but real soon. Cool. Okay, it's the last time for this. It might be the last time for the jingle. We'll see. Juich! Jushi! Let's go. Juich! Juich! Chicken with Fuji also to you, I have heard reports that uh, Baltimore is probably not bringing him back. It's, it, like it was a Japanese headline that said Taidam Mikomi or something like that. So it's not like the team didn't say it, but they're just anticipating that he may not be with the Orioles anymore. So Jimbo, I may have to ask you for a new uh, jingle, depending on what team he ends up with and what number he wears. But Fuji <laughs> ends the season with 79 innings pitched, a 7-8 and eight record, 83 strikeouts, which is nice, 44 walks, which is not nice, but in his second half, he was quite good there, a 1.49 whip and a 7.18 ERA. All of those are ugly numbers, but 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, he actually was a serviceable reliever, and I think he's going to find employment in the majors next year. Yeah, I think he uh, did himself some favors uh, pitching the way he did at the, with the birds. Yes. And uh, just as a side note or an end note, if you will, he was left off the postseason roster against the Rangers and the O's got swept. It wouldn't have mattered because the O's starters were terrible. And I think like they were down by like four or five runs after a couple of innings in every game. So it was really unfortunate. Yeah. So all the all the all the major league teams with, uh, with the high win totals are gone, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like Houston might be on their way out as well, which. Yeah, there you go. Anyways, let's talk more about uh, the Tigers. And before we recap the last games of the season, let's thank our patrons. So we got Chad, location unknown. He is the newest patron out there, uh, just joined. So I don't know where he is at, but thank you. Jamie Owens in Okayama. uh, Anita in Nishinomiya. Joe in Wakayama. Tom Zilla in Osaka. JD in Kyoto. The Tokyo Swallows podcast. Mario, somewhere in the USA. Shane Barclay of Japan Ball. Blaine in Texas, Ian in Texas, Rick in Texas, Jay in Minnesota, Sean in Manchester, Fran in the UK as well, and Yana is in Osaka now, I believe. We corresponded by email. He is not in Helsinki, but he's back in Osaka, maybe to watch some Tigers ball. So thank you all, patrons, for your support. Thank you, patrons. You're about to hear the shortest ever recap in H10 history here because we got six irrelevant games to talk about or not talk about. Um, we played the Swallows. We hosted them on the 26th of September, beat them two to zero. Then we hosted the Dragons for our final home game of the season, lost seven to two. But that was uh, we had Tomida as our starter that day. Um, went into Yokohama and lost to the Bay Stars five to three. Went into Hiroshima and lost two to one. That was Molmbetz's. First career start, five innings pitched, no runs against, looked really sharp. Uh, but we beat them in our final game against them, which is kind of nice considering we're facing them next. Uh, we beat them six to five on a bullpen day. And then we ended the season with, man, it was heartbreaker, but whatever. It was a five to four walk-off loss. We were winning four to three heading into the ninth inning and lost it. So the good news in this recap, Sanjay, is that we had a couple of guys that we need to get home runs from hit us a bunch of home runs. There you go. Like Oyama had three during the stretch and Sato, or pardon me, four during the stretch. And Sato had, I think, two. Stay hot, boys. So in six games, yeah, getting six bombs from those guys is sweet. I hope they can keep it up. Yeah, stay hot, but they've had a long cool off period, eh? (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that's it for the regular season. So the Tigers finish um, 85, 53, and five. Good for first place and some 10 plus ahead of the Hiroshima Carp. All that gets washed away now because uh, the playoffs are upon us. It doesn't matter how much ahead we were. We're going to preview uh, the Climax series. But first, we have to give our players some props. September, October, regular season ended. It's time for the players of the month. What you going to do when your team needs you? You're going to stand tall and hit it over the ball. You are the player of the month. The man, the myth, the tiger. Player of the month. So for this month and uh, some change, we went 16, 9, and 1 as a team, including an 11 game win streak. Um, the team batted Woo-hoo! around 250 
with 22 bombs and uh, 17 stolen bases during this month. So, Sanjay, the hitter of the month is undisputed, is not? It's undisputed. It's really hard to argue, argue against the produ- production of this guy, right? Terry, yeah. Sato Teruaki, right? 26 games played, 101 at-bats and 36 hits, giving him like a 358, 359 average, seven doubles, one triple, nine home runs, 29 RBI, and an OPS that you calculated as 1.102? That's right. Right. There you go. Those are great numbers. He might win CL Player of the Month. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. So we also got to mention Morista, even though he did cool off some towards the end. Uh, he had a somewhat decent, especially the start of the month. Uh, so he had four bombs on the month. Pretty good for a rookie. Got him up to 10 on the season. So, yes, it's good to have yeah. those guys hitting well at the end of the year. Yeah, and we want him to stay hot too. Yeah. I also want to note with Sato that, um, you know, in his first two seasons as a pro, he was absolutely terrible in the second half of the season. So this is hugely refreshing and relieving to Tigers fans that he can perform at season's end. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For pitching, uh, we went with a roughly a 2.2 ERA as a team on the month. And that's pretty good considering the last 10 ish games of the season were pretty much irrelevant. And uh, we were throwing in pitchers that kind of aren't going to even be on the postseason roster, blah, blah, blah. So for Pitcher of the Month, we've got two great candidates. And I'm going to go first because mine is the clear winner. And he also might win CL Pitcher of the Month. That would be Hiroto Saiki, who went 26 innings pitched, uh, 12 hits and seven walks, one earned run, one run and 20 strikeouts. Did he not go 10 innings of shutout ball against the Dragons? I think that is correct. It was like a zero zero tie, but he went ten innings because he was trying to he was trying to have a shot at ten wins. And if he'd gotten right. the win there, he would have had nine, and then he he would have gotten one more start to try and get his ten. That's, That's right. right. So he yeah. went he went ten. It was crazy. Anyways, he's the man. But who you got? There's one more great pitcher that we can't ignore here. Yeah, that's right. So I wanted to give him props too, and it's none other than Yuki Nishi. Who had 23 innings, not quite as many as Psyche, but not shabby nonetheless. Only gave up 12 hits as well. Uh, only three walks. He was masterful. Two runs, 11 Ks, a 0.78 ERA, and a 0.65 whip. So props to Nishi. I hope he keeps up that form, uh, in the postseason and we could, we could certainly use it. Crazy to think, though, as we get into the the hot topic here, and we'll talk about this real scene soon. These two guys may not even get a mound during this series if all goes perfectly <laughs> well. Right. Yeah. And so, before we get into too much detail about that, let's hit the music for the hot topic. All right. So. Um, as you all know, it's playoff time. It's playoff baseball. Finally, for the Hunching Tigers, they have literally not played a baseball game in two weeks, or I should say, uh, an NPB baseball game. They've been practicing and doing Phoenix League, blah blah blah, but nothing meaningful. So we got to set this up right. We are going to be facing the Hiroshima Carp at Koshien Stadium from October the 18th through October the 23rd. Six games in six days assuming that we would need all six. And this comes because the Carp beat the Bay Stars in two straight at 
Mazda Zoom Zoom Stadium over the weekend. So this is how it goes. It is a best of seven on paper, but the first game automatically goes to the Hanshin Tigers because we won the regular season Central League. What are your thoughts about the playoff system, first of all? The fact that we get the one-game advantage, plus we get to play all six games at Koshien Stadium. Thoughts, Sanjay? Well, under normal circumstances, I'd be, you know, happy with the way things are going. But the fact of the matter is that we have more than a 10-game spread against a second-place team. And there have been a number of arguments saying that, you know, maybe that advantage needs to be tied more towards how big a lead you have. And um, I don't know what the right answer is, but I think, you know, a runaway first place team should have more of an advantage than someone who squeaks by. Right. So, you know, with all due respect to the average layman, um, a lot of what they say about this, their thoughts on the playoff system is completely disregarding the reality that baseball is a business and that money talks. And they say, well, you know, if, if, you know, like you look at Oryx too. I mean, they won theirs by 15 and a half games. I think it was I'm like, well, if they if they win by that much, there shouldn't even be a climax series. And it's like, yeah, okay, let's just throw millions of dollars out the window just because <laughs> they won. The, like, they're not going to do that, right? It's just, does. I mean, I understand from a fan perspective and as far as the value of holding these games, I get it, but they're not going to do that, right? I mean, even like, I agree with you that I would love to see the advantage on a bit of a scaled um on a scale, right? Um, yeah. So you look at just for example, right? Like the Buffaloes last year tied for first place with the SoftBank Hawks, and they won the pennant because they won the season series. That was it. Their wins loss record was identical, meaning mm-hmm. that in theory they are equally strong as teams, right? Yeah. And yet Oryx got this huge advantage. Well, the same advantage that they get this year, in which they won the, the league by 15 and a half games, and they're clearly the better team. Right. So the idea behind this advantage is you want the best team, not the hottest team, but the best team to play for the Nippon Ichi for the Japan Series Championship. Right. And you want to give them every chance or every bit of benefit or advantage that you can. But at the same time, you want to give some sort of competition and some sort of chance to the second place team. But, you know, I, I would say last year's SoftBank Hawks team probably could have stood to have had no game disadvantage mm-hmm. not that i'm trying to plead for the hawks here but just for the whole system um yeah. and maybe even to have like a maybe not a two three two but maybe you give the hawks like one or two home games while two would make more sense just um you know for the viability of travel and all that stuff right you couldn't just throw one home game in there but do something like that and then for every three or every five games lead that the team has in the regular season you add to that advantage yeah, something and like that would make sense. One of my arguments on that too is that it gives teams something to play for right through to the end. So like you look at the uh, Marines and the Hawks who are roughly 15 and a half. I think they tied for second this year and the Marines won the, they won by like 0.0001. So again, right. it was just the little percentages. But um, it gives them something to play for right through to the end to say, look, if we can chip away at the Oryx lead, we can chip away at their advantage in the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then we play right to game 143. Whereas now it was like, okay, Oryx and Hanshin clinched like way before the end of the season and it was very anticlimactic. No arguments from, from me here. Yeah. 
And while we're on that note, <laughs> not that I want to continue ranting, but could they not do the rain makeups in a little bit more of an orderly way so that every team could end their season at roughly the same time? And what would happen then is, and, and I'm complaining about this, particularly this year, because it's the Tigers that are uh, being hurt by this, but I would do this any year. You know, the Tigers played their last regular season game on the 4th, right? And then the playoffs didn't even start till the 14th. And that's for the Carp and the Bay Stars. So the Tigers are waiting even longer, right? So it's two weeks between games. But if, if for example, everybody ended their season on the 4th, they could have started the playoffs on the 7th. Everything could have been pushed up a week. Yeah, they should have, they should have pushed everything up a week. I don't know why they can't play some of these rainouts if they're not relevant to the, the climax series, um, concurrently. Why wait yeah. for them? Yep. Or play them on the Mondays during the season or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's so many things they could do better. But again, until they give me that front office position, I, it probably won't happen. <laughs> I'm the only logical person out there, people. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Okay, so now we've established that the Tigers are up one game to zero, which means that, honestly, the Tigers need to go um, two, four, and one. Uh, pardon me, not two, four, and one. That wouldn't work. Two, three, and one in the final, in the six games. Like, if, right. if this series ends as a tie, like three games, three games to each team plus a tie, the series goes to the Tigers. Yep. They win the tiebreaker. So we just need two wins and a tie, but, you know, we'd love to do three straight wins. That would be the better way to do it. Um, so totally. Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Friday are night games, Saturday, Sunday are day games. And then Monday would be a night game. And again, so after that, um, Monday is in theory, the last game, if there are rainouts, they'll play Tuesday and or Wednesday, but the Japan series won't start until the 28th, which is the following Saturday. So anyhow, let's look at, let's break down the starting lineups for these two teams that are going to be going head to head. Um, but before that, okay, so the Carp, having played at Koshi in this season 12 times, won twice. They went they went 2-9-1 and one in our ballpark. So nice. pretty happy about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, happy about that. Right. Um, and so here we go. The Carp, based on what they trotted out on Sunday against the Bay Stars, might look something like this. Uh, batting first would be Kikuchi, who plays second base. Batting second would be Noma, who plays right field batting third would be nishikawa in left field batting fourth is dobayashi at first batting fifth is kozono at short sixth is akiyama in center seventh is sakakura at catcher eighth is davidson at third base and then their pitcher that's what they did on sunday and for the tigers as we we could probably all list this off in memory in fact like if you want to just you know mutter along with me you can here we go batting first <laughs> and center is chikamoto second at second is nakano third in right is morista fourth at first is oyama fifth at third base is sato sixth in left is noisy seventh at catcher is sakamoto eighth at short is kinami and our starting pitcher the best order in the world what do you think when you look at this lineup? Like we were talking about this a bit before we hit record, but the carp actually um, individually don't look that bad. Like, you know, when you've got as your say six through eight, they've got Akiyama, Sakakura, and Davidson, like by name and on paper, that actually does look pretty good. Yeah, that could be a cleanup trio. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, if Akiyama's in his prime and if Davidson is not the human windmill that he normally is. So yeah. <laughs> 
But um, everybody talks about this. It is very clear that the best one-two punch in Japan is with the Hanshin Tigers, Chikamoto and Nakano killing it. Yep. Towards totally, the end of the year, totally. like soon after they clinched, they had the NPB best uh, OBP on base percentage of 367. And I think the second best in the central was like a 321. Nice. Like head and shoulders above. So, yeah. Um, and we talked about this as well before we hit record. The Tigers are the team that walks more than any other team by a long shot. If we are getting on base in that way, you know, that's where you love to have those one, two guys up there because they can just terrorize on the base path as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, I was just watching Kakefu talking with Nakanishi, and he said that every manager, well, but Hara and Takatsu, Giants and Swallows, and saying that number one and number two spot, man, they killed us, as well as the eighth spot with Kinami. Right, yeah. So, yeah, on the whole, I mean, the Tigers look good um, on the base pass with those two, and then also we've just got a great wealth of pinch runners as well. You can throw in Ueda, Shimada, Kumagai, Obata, you got four guys that could just tear it up and are faster than most guys on most other teams. That said, the Carp really picked up their base running game, or at least their stolen base total in 2023 compared to the year before. So Arai has really kind of infused that into their team. They do also, though, uh, run into a lot of trouble on the base paths. I don't know if you noticed <laughs> that. I did notice that. And yeah. so they, he, uh, Arai sends even you know the Natsos fleet of foot um, running at various points in the game. So, you know, you live by the sword, die by the sword, I guess. Yeah, well, let's see them die. <laughs> okay, well, now that we've established the starting lineups, let's look at the pitching matchups uh, kind of game by game. And again, this is projected. It's not pre-announced until the day before, so we don't even have game one starters announced. But I'm presuming it's going to be Shoki Murakami for us in game one. And he might be going up against Alan, Alan Kuri of the carp um and then game two will be ito for us and osera for them game three would be otake against tokoda and as i kind of alluded to earlier if the tigers win these three games or if they win two and tie one and let's keep in mind we swept the carp at koshen with these three pitchers um just about a month ago it was september 8 9 10 or 9 10 11 or something like that well, if you want to take that even further, uh, I think we won seven straight against the Carp at Koshian. Yeah. So so to complete my sentence, which I haven't done yet, if we win those three <laughs> games, the series is over, right? So there yep. won't be a game yep. four, five, six. Yeah. Um, sweeping the best of seven in three games. You got to love NPB <laughs> logic. But okay. So if assuming that the series goes on, uh, we will probably trot out Psyche next and they will bring in Morista. Let's keep in mind, so Tokoda and Morista pitched for the Carp in their series against the Bay Stars. So mm-hmm. normally they would be their number one and two, but they don't want to throw them on that short of rest. So even having them in on Friday, Saturday is short rest for Japan. So I kind of, in a way, I like that. I mean, you know, guys coming in on short rest, theoretically, may not throw as deep into games. And if they do, they'll be ineffective in those later innings. So uh, that would be Psyche in game four and then Nishi for us in game five, I would assume. And what I saw on one uh, Japanese site that kind of covers the carp, they were looking at either Masuda or Mori for their game five. And I'm saying who and who? <laughs> like, I don't know these guys. <laughs> and that just goes to show you, they don't have a ton of pitching depth. And then in game six, it would probably be a return to the game one guys. And that would be on slightly shorter rest because it would be going from a 
a Wednesday to a Monday. Uh, but Murakami against Kuri, of course, we could maybe bring in like an Aoyagi type in a game six. But I'm thinking if it gets to that final game, you don't want to lean on a shaky pitcher. I agree 100%. So you go short rest with Murakami, and then you may not be able to use him until game uh, two of the Japan series, assuming that we make it there. That's all good. Right. So as uh, you said, we've won seven straight against the Carp at Koshien, which is pretty nice. Um, what I want to do to kind of finish this up a little bit or just kind of go into a little bit more depth, I want to look at which of our hitters are good and which of our hitters are not good, at least this season, against the Carp starters, and then kind of do the flip side of that, which of their hitters are terrible and which of their hitters we need to look out for against our starters. Okay, so we're going to look primarily at Kuri, Osera, Tokoda, and Morista. It's just those first four starters for them, and we'll also look at their closer. So this is what I got. Um, Kuri, um, he had he didn't win against us this year. He did pitch fairly well though with a 261 ERA. Um, but against him, Chikamoto and Noisy each went three for nine for a 333. Nakano went six for sixteen for a 375, and Morista went three for five with a 600 average. So we got a lot of guys that are hitting well. On the flip side of that though, we really need for our two hot bats from September to heat up against Kuri. Right, Oyama with a yep. one for twelve, zero eight three average, and Sato zero for nine, nothing but bagels. Over from Sato, that can change in a hurry with one swing from that big, big boy though. Yeah, I mean, so one Sato actually hit, I think, roughly half of his home runs this season at Koshien. It was over ten, anyways. It was ten or more, and he hit twenty four on the year. Mm-hmm. So considering, you know, how massive the park is that he was able to uh, hit th- uh, 10 of them out or more at Koshin is a good sign. And did you know that there's the Hamakaze, the sea breeze isn't that strong in October compared to the rest of the year? I did know that even just from living here and feeling it. Yes. <laughs> so that's something to look forward to as well, that the lefties don't have that huge disadvantage um, against them that they typically do for much of the season. That's great. Um, let's move on into their projected or possible number two starter, which is uh, Osera, who had a really rough year on the whole. He used to be the, the staff ace, but he had a rough year and a rough year against the Tigers as well. So the good guys for us against Osera, Chikamoto 5 for 7 with her for a 7-14. Nakano batted 3-33. Morishita hit two home runs and a double and went 3 for 5. So that's pure dominance. Again, it's a small sample size. And Sato went 2 for 6 for a 3-33. But it's a baby, yeah. yeah. But again, we gotta mention Oyama, uh, with an over, uh, and just four at bats, but over four for a zero average. So, yeah, I actually didn't look at the aggregate numbers like how each of our players are doing against the carp as a whole. Um, again, it's one of those questions of like, well, what is the most relevant here the individual, uh, head to head matchups or the overall numbers, or do you throw it all out the window? <laughs> Maybe you throw it all out. I mean, honestly, you kind of do. But this is just stuff to kind of give people an idea of who maybe to look out for, who to count on, or you know, who might be gunning to keep going strong or to avenge how poorly they did uh, during the season against these pitchers. So let's move on then to their number three guy. Well, really, their number one guy who had our number in the first half of the year. But I think in two uh, starts against him in September, the Tigers actually did quite well. And that's Tokoda. Like, I think he shut us out 
once or twice early in the season, but uh, we did really well. So Nakano with a six for 16 total on, uh, on the year. Morista with three for 11. So a 273 average, which is not that high, but he hit a home run against Tokola. And uh, Sato, four for seven with two home runs. And that's a lefty on lefty matchup. So yeah, there's a couple of lefties in there. Nakano and Sato, right? Pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it might be something to do with the way that um, Tokoda attacks the batters, right? Like he may not have that pitch that breaks outside really hard, or maybe he does, but it's just not that good of a pitch. Um, I should analyze that a bit more. I'm not sure, but not doing so well are a couple more lefties. So we got Chikamoto with a two for 11, 182 average and Kinami with a one for eight, 125 average. So it may be the heart of the order that gets it done here, right? Like our projected number two, three, and five all have good numbers against Tokoda. Mm-hmm. That bodes well because they're all, you know, nice and tight together. So you could get a nice little rally going there. There we go. Yeah. You do that a couple times a game and you, you've got yourself three, four runs, five runs maybe, and our pitchers will do the rest. So like that. Yes. All right. The last uh, starter that we're going to look at is Mori stuff for them and uh, doing well against him. Chika with a 308. Nakano with a 533. That's eight for 15. Oh yeah, well, finally we get him on the good side. He is a 333 there. Sato is also a 333 with two doubles and a home run. And uh, a guy that uh, I don't often recommend uh, putting a bat in his hand, that would be Shimada, uh, who has his lone <laughs> home run of his life um, against Morista. That was in Hiroshima. So he's one for two batting 500 with that home run. <laughs> <laughs> and not doing so well, quote unquote, would be um, Morista. So the Morista versus Morista has gone in the pitcher's favor uh, 10 times out of 12. That said, our boy did hit the walk-off single against him back in May. The Shota is greater than Masato in that case. Um, and then Kinami went two for 10 on the year against their Morista. So there you go. As for their closer, um, we really did a number on him at the start of the year. That's Kuribayashi, right? Um, well, I think we we tagged him with two losses early in the season. And so Oyama, Noisy, and Nakano all did great um, against him, getting a couple of hits each and batting 500 or better. But uh, aside from those three, I think I looked it up and we had like one other hit in our Ooh. whole lineup. And again, it's a closer, so he's it's not like he faced everybody 10 times each. It was like maybe three or four times, but Right. That that's still yikes, right? And so we yep. got our number two, four, and six hitters that have done something against him. So there's hope. There's hope. All right, Sanjay, shall we look at the flip side of this and our starters and how they've done against their hitters? Yeah, let's look at that. Okay. So we're gonna start with Murakami, of course. He went two and one with a two fifty three ERA against the carp this season in three starts. Um he was great against Akiyama and Kikuchi yielding zero hits against them. But Kozono hit a home run against him, batted 333, and Noma batted 444 against him. Yeah, but 2.53 ERA and three starts, right? That's all quality starts, no? Yeah, yeah. And so you look at those, like, you know, the, the 333 and 444, I mean, you can assume that it's a whatever for nine, right? So it's three for nine and four for nine. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Uh, the next guy, Ito, right? Um, went 2-0 and with a one one seventeen ERA. 1.17, I should say, in two starts. Woo-hoo. And uh, he put he served up some bagels to Akiyama, Sakakura, and Davidson. And Kozono batted just 200 against him. On the other side of that, um, Dobayashi 
and McBroom and Kikuchi and Noma all went uh, 333. So again, if you look at two starts, you're probably thinking like a two for six. Mm-hmm. You know, so like one more bat at bat and those numbers all look not so good anymore with a two for seven and a whatever uh, ER, uh, whatever batting average that works out to like a 280, right? So whatever. True. But are they, but, are they all uh, righties? Noma's a lefty. Noma's no. a lefty. The, rather, the others yeah. are righties. Yeah. Is righty. yeah. yeah. And then their, their bad batters are mostly lefties. So, yeah. So let's go to the, the big highlight here because this is the guy that, and again, this is going to be the Friday game. Um, we're hoping to do a Patreon viewing party on this day. So knock on wood, hopefully that'll work out and everybody can join that. It's Otake night and he had the most starts against the Carp. The reason, of course, being that right from the start of the season, he did them good. So seven starts, meaning that seven out of 25 of our games against the Carp, he started. Nice. Clear- Clearly, we did some rotation shuffling at times to make sure he got in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 6-0, and oh, how do you like that? Half of his wins are against Hiroshima. Gotta love it. An 0.57 ERA. Woohoo! Gotta love it. It's insane. It's yes. insane. Yes. You can get one run against me every two games. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm pitching just one, so you can pick either one run or zero. Ha! <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so he did well against pretty much everyone, but just to list some names, uh, Dobayashi, Akiyama, McBroom, Sakakura, Kikuchi, Davidson, and Kozono all did poorly. The only guys that did somewhat well would be Nishikawa with a 368 and Noma with a 385. Those are their number two and three hitters. So, I mean, if they can put together like back to back doubles, they might score a run. That might be where they get their one run. These numbers are insane. Our pitchers are getting big, better as we go in deeper into the rotation, it seems. Yes. Well, and, these numbers. you know, you, you keep in mind that, you know, sample sizes are what they are, but this is a significant one because it's seven starts, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, that's like roughly a fourth to a third of a pitcher's load. I think he might have started like 20. He didn't start like 28 games. He started like maybe 21, 22 games on the year. It's like a third of his games were against the Carp. So that is a significant sample size. Man, I'm so glad we got him this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm glad that he's in that top three. Like, he's definitely pitching a game against the Carp. You know, assuming no injuries or or sickness for him between now and then. Okay, game four. Uh, speaking of small sample sizes, Psyche um, could be the guy for this one. He only has one start against the Carp this year, and he won it, and he gave up zero runs in six and two-thirds innings. Um, one of their backup guys named Yano uh, went... Uh, batted 500. I think it was just one for two uh, with a double. And then McBroom and Sakakura got no hits against him. But again, it's one start, so it's hard to reach any conclusions from that. And we'll end things with the Game 5 possible starter. That would be Yukinishi, uh, who went 1-1 one and one with a 4.5 ERA against them in three starts. He did well against Akiyama. We're bringing up that name a lot as doing well against. Hey? I like that. Um, With a yeah. 125. Kozono with zeros, that's also good because he's been really hot. So um, if he can clamp down on Kozono, that's huge. And Davidson also with zeros. But on the flip side, um, Nishikawa 375, and then Sakakura, Kikuchi, and Tanaka, each with 333s. And I only bring up um, Tanaka because he hit a home run against Nishi. Right. So there you have it. That's basically the rundown of our five possible starters and like we said we'll probably wrap around and do a murakami in game six if it reaches that last game 
It's not going to so, be the last game. I mean, I I, I, I kind of doubt it. You know, I don't see this one going that far. And actually, why don't we just jump right into the predictions? Sure. What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? See the future? Yes, they can. Check it out. H10 predictions. See the future? Yes, they can. Check it out. H10 predictions. What's going to happen? What's the record going to be? That's what we're talking about here, right? We want to We want to find out. What's the bottom line? How many games is it going to take for the Tigers to advance? Because if you've listened to H10 for any amount of time, you know full well that there is no way that we're predicting the Carp to win because there's no way the Carp are going to win. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry, Arai-san. Yeah. Yeah. Your magic runs out. It's Okada magic in October and even early November, let's hope. So, um, I've got in my show notes here who's going to win, but we know that we answered that. So how many games is it going to take for the Tigers to punch their ticket to the Japan series Sunday? Yeah, I'd really like to say three games, given the mm. three were thrown out there. Yeah. But I'm going to give Arisan the benefit of the doubt and say we'll go four games. Mm, okay. Um, I'm going to go bold and say three. And the reason is this. Um, well, first of all, our top three pitchers are just first class right yeah and their first two pitchers maybe not so much like curry is pretty good against us but he still hasn't gotten a win against us this year and i we just find a way like he's probably got the worst control out of any of their starters so i could see us walking our way to that win um mm -hmm. like getting guys on base and then and then scoring like two three four runs whatever and then murakami um, yeah that's enough uh game two Osera against ito i mean i just Sorry to say it, but I just don't see a way for them to beat Ito, nor do I see a way for us to not score against Osera. And, <laughs> and then if it comes down to that, I mean, the crowd noise and the atmosphere at Koshien on Friday, they can bring Tokoda all they want. We're bringing Otake. And I just think like with the season on the line, I just don't see them winning that one either. So I hope by saying this, I'm not jinxing our dear Tigers, <laughs> but I'm saying T in three we're gonna hold you to it and then we get a nice long break again before we play some baseball again uh if that happens well regardless okay so as we said earlier um this series goes until the 23rd at the longest assuming no rainouts and assuming a full series and then the next series the japan series will start on the 28th which is the saturday um and just to break that down, just to get ahead of ourselves a little bit here, um, so you can kind of mark your calendars. The 28th and 29th will be played in the Pacific League uh, Teams Park. And then the 31st, 1st and 2nd of November, that would be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, will be at, well, Koshien, assuming that <laughs> things go the way we hope. And then the Saturday, Sunday after that, if needed, there'll be the November 4th, November 5th will be at the Pacific League Teams Park. Speaking of which, it will be the Orcs Buffaloes hosting the Chibolate Marines for the other side of this equation. And uh, I'm going to assume that you're going to pick Oryx in that one. I am going to pick Oryx, but I am also going to predict that it's going to go a little bit longer than our series is going to go because yeah. look, it's freaking hot. Yeah, they're a plucky bunch, aren't they? Yeah. In fact, I think it's going to be the, the, the max. It's going to be 3-3. Three, three. Whoa. Three, three and one, whatever you call it. Yeah. Right, 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 right. That'll be interesting. I mean, so yeah, 
we're not going to get into too much detail, but obviously Oryx has the best pitcher in the world. Um, almost literally the best pitcher in the world in Yamamoto. I mean, if you look at number pure numbers, there's nobody in the world dominating their league at that level. Yeah. Right. So he's going to be their number one starter, I'm assuming tomorrow. And then he'll be their number one starter in game one if they reach the Japan series, which we assume they will. But we'll talk more about that if and when the Tigers advance. And uh, we're looking forward to a Kansai Derby. Sanjay, get bridging back to our first rumors and news and the Yusho parades happening, right? The victory parades. What's going to happen when, if and when it's the Tigers versus the Buffaloes in the Japan series for the Kansai Derby? And then they have the victory parades on top of that, you know, with both teams having faced off in the playoffs for the first time ever, I should add, in the Japan it's series. Gonna be wild pandemonium. Yeah. So I, I read just a headline that they said the uh, some professor at like Kansai University or Osaka University, something said the projected economic benefit of a Kansai Derby was, forgive me for not knowing the number, Sanjay, you might be able to help me, but it's like 1,100 oku. <laughs> Shoot, why can't you just do normal numbers, Japan? What, what is the, what in the heck is an oku, right? Okay, oku oh. is 100 million. 100 million, yeah. So 1,000 oku would be 100. Billion, hundred billion bucks, or no, hundred billion no, yen. Billion yen. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. So, it's be a trillion. Kana, I don't know. It's a lot of money. It's a freaking <laughs> lot of money. I'm so sorry, everyone. It's just a boatload of money. Yeah. So, uh, so, we're hoping that each each yoke is about a million bucks. So, Sanloku is. Right, a billion. billion dollars. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. give or take. So that's a yeah. crazy economic effect. So you know what? Hiroshima and Chiba, go away. <laughs> <laughs> just just go away. But it is interesting, right? That I mean, they're kind of on the two extremes geographically, almost extremes of Japan, right? Um, or at yeah. least of this main island. And so, you know, the two visitors are coming into Kansai. And if they if they leave victorious, if both of them did, that would be crazy. But then the Japan series would kind of be like an east-west. Otherwise, it's just going to be a battle of like, you know, Osaka versus Nishinomiya. <laughs> I'm good with that. Excitement is in the air here. As you can tell, me and Sanjay, neither of us wants to stop talking, but we are going to let you go here. That's a wrap for another episode of H10. Thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't gotten your fill of us, we are out there on the internet, as you probably already know, on Patreon, web, the website, the X, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Subscribe and like our videos on YouTube, everyone. I've also got a daily sports column in Japanese if you want to test out your Nihongo. All those details are in the show notes on the website. And special thanks to Infraction for the theme music and show for mixing the pod for us. Sanjay, thanks again for joining. Thanks for having me. All right, catch you all next time. Let's go, Tigers! Let's go, Hanshin Tigers! Are ya de, sore ya de, kore ya de! Hahaha!